good. Hey, good to see everybody here in person. Welcome everybody online as well. I'm Brian, if you haven't met us. Uh, hey, here at the Duluth Vineyard, um, one of our primary goals, our primary goal is to help people become disciples of Jesus. Uh, we believe that there's something absolutely unique about who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, what Jesus has taught, that it is worth giving our whole lives to learn how to do life his way. And so in pursuit of this goal, uh, we are regularly teaching, we're regularly modeling practices that will help you to grow as followers of Jesus, equipping you so that you can face the full spectrum of experiences that you might encounter uh, in life. So we want to be able to help you to uh, learn how to mature as a follower of Jesus when life's going really well, and we also wanna help you to learn how to grow in Christ when life hits the fan. Because the truth is, right, for every single one of us at different points in life, we're all going to go through experiences where life goes sideways, where we're disappointed, where we're disillusioned, you know, maybe where we're sorting through deep grief or maybe even experiences of betrayal. So for every one of those, we need a wide array of practices so we can utilize, that we can uh, meet every single one of those different kinds of experiences. Along those lines, as we've already been talking about this morning, last week John kicked off a new sermon series. We're exploring this familiar, um, unfamiliar territory of lament. Even though the scriptures are filled with expressions of lament, um, lament is actually a pretty seldomly used practice, particularly for us uh, in the American church. And so maybe just begin this morning, like why is that? Why is that that we so seldomly lean into this practice of lament? One potential answer is that we just want to avoid pain. <laughs> Anybody like, like pain? I'm like, I love pain. No, we, we just want to avoid pain most of the time. And I think sometimes that's even reflected in the ways that we're so prone towards our addictions, uh, towards destructive habits of other forms, where we just go to great lengths to try and numb the pain that we feel. Now, that might be an answer, but maybe there's even more to it than that. Uh, an another option, another thought might be that we just don't know how to lament. And again, I think there might be some truth to that, um, but I also recognize or resonate with what Michael Card writes in his book, A Sacred Sorrow. Listen to this. He says, it seems to me that we don't, need, we don't need to be taught how to lament. What we need is simply the assurance that we can lament and a fuller understanding of all that that can mean. I think that quote summarizes a lot about what we hope to grasp as we begin this fall sermon series. First, that we can grasp, we can grab onto the assurance that it really is okay to lament. Actually, God encourages us. He invites us. He wants us to give him our unfiltered reactions uh, to the difficulties in life. And secondly, uh, we want to be able to step into a fuller understanding of what lament can actually do in our lives. It's a unique tool, a unique practice that does unique things uh, in us. In that regard, last week, John introduced this idea of walking across the bridge of lament. On this side of lament, uh, on this side of the bridge, we wonder, why in the world would I do something like this? Why would I engage in this practice of lament. It just sounds too sad, too hard. Now, that is true. Like, it can be really sad. It can be really hard to be able to enter into this journey. But what if, what if there is something on the other side 
that outweighs whatever pain that you might be feeling. I think if we catch that vision, that there are amazing, beautiful things waiting for us as we practice lament, that can give us courage to take the first steps forward. Friends, God promises to meet us on the other side of this bridge of lament. And he meets us in the real questions that we ask along the way. Questions like, where are you? Where were you? You know, why did this happen? Can I trust you? Are you really, really good in the end, God? God, what the bleep? You ever thought that before? (laughs) Like those are the things that go through our mind in the practicalities of real life. But so often what we do as we practice faith is we think, oh, those things that are going through mind, those things that are in my heart, I just have to shove those off and put those in a different category. I can never bring those actually honestly before God. Friends, this is exactly the work of real and healthy spirituality, to bring the real stuff of our lives, these real questions, and these are the places that God meets us. If we hang on, there's actually experiences with God that we actually only enter into on this path. Experiences of God's supernatural presence, like John talked about last week. Today I wanna look at another. I want to talk about unique experiences of God's love that we can discover on the other side of this bridge of lament. I'd like to pray for us along those lines as we begin. God, we just acknowledge um, that life can be hard. God, there are a lot of things that we don't understand. And it can be challenging to think about stepping into this unfamiliar practice of lament. But God, we want to grasp on to the potential that there are treasures on the other side. Experiences of your tangible presence, God. Experiences of your tender love. God, of deepening of our faith. And, and there's these expressions of worship that come out of these places in our hearts. God, we just look to you again today. We ask for your help this morning. God, we ask for your help through this whole journey. Come, Holy Spirit. Lead us in this journey, we pray. In your name, amen. Okay, this morning we are going to look at a passage in the book of Lamentations. It's part of the Old Testament that gives a vivid look at the language of lament. Listen, have us listen to the beginning of Lamentations 3. This will be up on the screen. I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. He has turned his hand against me again and again, all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He has buried me in a dark place like those long dead. He has walled me in and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heavy chains. And though I cry and I shout, he has shut out my prayers. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. He has hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. He has dragged me off the path and torn me into pieces, leaving me helpless and devastated. He has drawn his bow and made me the target for his arrows. 
He has shot his arrows deep into my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their mocking songs. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything that I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness, it's bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Do you know the prayer could sound like that? You hear the anguish there? Like the rawness? <laughs> like that's what prayers of lament can sound like. And it's okay. It's okay to say those kinds of things to God. It's actually best for us to express those things. This is the prayer of Jeremiah, the prophet. And uh, this is in 586 BC when the great city of Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians. This is his raw, his real reaction to this tragic thing. And in this, the prophet Jeremiah, he penned this intricate poem, this poetic work called Lamentation, where each line starts with the subsequent letter of the alphabet. It's like line by line, letter by letter, he's saying start to finish that this loss cuts deep. However, it's on the heels of these deep laments that come some of the most beautiful, comforting words in all of Scripture. Listen to how Lamentations 3 continues. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness his mercies begin fresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. And so it is good to wait. It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord from the Lord. I don't think that these last verses are just Jeremiah's attempt to put a positive spin on things. Instead, I think they reflect what we can experience in lament. And on one side, there are these raw prayers, these real emotions, these real experiences every one of us go through at different points in our lives. And on the other side are experiences that we couldn't enter into otherwise. In this case, it's the profound experience of God's unfailing, never-ending love. That's what we want to look at today. Let's look a bit closer by asking, what can we learn? What can we learn from Lamentations 3 about crossing this bridge of lament? First, we find, find this. We find the courage to grieve. Check back to verses 19 and 20. Jeremiah writes, The thought of my suffering and my homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. And Jeremiah didn't mince words. Like he faced this tragedy head on. And I think likewise for us, 
we need to realize that lament involves facing our losses directly and honestly. We have to face them head on. That's the only way to go at this. But unfortunately, so often we will tend to take another path. You know, I mentioned a moment ago, this is behind so many of our escapist habits, our addictive patterns in our lives where we just kind of just do all these different things to try and numb the pain that we feel in life. For some of us, we might be prone to taking out our pain and anger on others. Or you might be withdrawn or you, you might distance yourself. You know, that might look more calm, but it's just another form of control and can be just as destructive. I think about how easy it is to mask our pain with religious activity. You know, we're just so busy for God. We're just doing all of these things. Or maybe to latch on to platitudes or cliches that actually don't really help uh, very much. Even when we face our losses directly, even so, they are still uh, so multi-layered. This week I was uh, reflecting again on a quote by author uh, Paul David Tripp. Listen to this. He says, here's what happens in times of suffering. You don't just suffer the loss of that thing. You also suffer the loss of the identity and the security that it provided. For Jeremiah, that was that he was not just just, uh, just lamenting the destruction of Jerusalem. He was also wrestling with all that that meant, the deep vulnerability that accompanied that attack. Uh, This past week, of course, we had, what is it, the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, you know, in our country. This is one of those collective experiences, Uh, maybe one of the best uh, correlations that we can have in our current day uh, that might track back to what Jeremiah might have experienced then. May we think about uh, the collective pain, the trauma, the different things that we experienced through all the different aspects of the pandemic. So those are some collective ways. This also, you know, it hits home for us on so many different layers on a personal level as well. You know, for me, many of you have have heard me share the story of our, our first daughter passing away when she was two and a half. You know, for me, that wasn't just the loss of a child. My understanding of how life also worked, like worked, like it also took this huge hit because up to that point in my 20s, most of life it equaled out. If I start with A, I add B, I'm going to get C. You know, it's like if I just do the right things and I'm going to get the right result and here I'm dealing with this tremendous, tragic loss and I'm thinking, what the bleep, right? How does life actually work? God, this doesn't make sense to me. And so, for me, again, it wasn't just the particular loss. There was that secondary loss, and I actually had to go into lamenting that secondary loss. That was actually a key way that God helped me to sort through the death of my daughter. I also think about all that we've experienced uh, this year within our church. This week, again, for me, I was finding myself needing to do another pass, do some further work, at assessing the myriad of losses that that I've experienced this year and trying to face those as directly and honestly as I can. Friends, like this can be hard work. It can be taxing, but it really is the best path forward. Yes, lament requires courageous work, 
but it really is worth it. Okay, I don't, I don't know what losses that you have, losses that you need to grieve, losses that you need to face, but I know that we all have them. And so facing those directly and honestly as you can, that will help lead you to health, and it actually will help you to open up to experience God in ways that you never thought possible. As you take these few steps into lament, I think you'll be, discovered, you'll be surprised by what you may discover. Let's continue. What else can we learn from Lamentations 3 about crossing this bridge of lament? Next, we dare to hope. Did you read these verses with me? Uh, these famous verses from Lamentations 3, verses 21 to 23. Let's read these aloud uh, together. Put that up on the screen for us. Let's read this together. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Now, if we just read those three verses by themselves, it would be great, right? Like these are some of the most amazing promises in Scripture. But think about the added power behind these words in light of what we've already talked about so far. What we read, those first 20 verses of Lamentations 3, all of this anguish, all of this pain, and here Jeremiah takes this turn. He's got these, the full destruction, the destruction of Jerusalem in full view, his tears of lament likely still fresh on his cheeks, and yet somehow there was something that weighed more than the tragic loss that he was absorbing, and that brought him hope. Friends, it's the same thing with us. We don't find hope by just wishing that tomorrow will bring a better day. We can dare to hope because of God's chesed. This wonderful, beautiful, <laughs> complex Hebrew word. It's one of the richest words in all of Scripture. It's found 248 times in the Old Testament. It's so multidimensional that trying to translate it from Hebrew directly into English is almost impossible. So rather than one word in our Bibles, what we find is we get so many different phrases that try to encapsulate the full meaning of this word, hesed. And so we, we get these words or these phrases like faithful love, steadfast love, unfailing love, never-ending mercies, loving kindness, covenant loyalty. You see the, the work in the translators, they're like, I can't quite put a pin on it because nothing quite adds up to be able to explain the, the all-encompassing nature of how God meets us in all these experiences of life with this love that just won't quit and it'll never run dry. This is what changed things for Jeremiah. This is what things can change things for us. Let each one of these lines sink in a little bit deeper for us. Jeremiah, Jeremiah writes, he says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies, they never cease. As heavy and difficult as things may be in life, the unfailing love of God is greater still. It doesn't have an expiration date. You never get to the bottom of the barrel. There is no end to the mercy that God pours out on us as we turn to him. Next, he says, great is his faithfulness. Our hope is not in our ability to make life work. It's in God's steadfast love and his enduring faithfulness. Jeremiah writes, 
God's mercies, they begin afresh each morning. With each new day, there's a new deposit of God's Hesed love available to us. And because of that, we can face whatever that next day brings. We can face it with boldness. We can face it with confidence. We can face it with deep security. That's a little bit about Hesed in general. Let me just talk for a few moments about unique ways that we could experience God's unfailing love even in the midst of this journey of lament. And again, we might think if we unleash these complaints to God, these unfiltered words and phrases and emotions in God's direction the way that Jeremiah does, then we might get like this big backlash in return. But that's not what happens. So often the first thing that we're met with is God's tender compassion. Our honest emotions, our raw con- Questions, they don't create a barrier between us and God. They actually open up brand new pathways for us to experience aspects of God's character that we wouldn't enter into otherwise. I know for myself, I've experienced this over and over through the years. In the middle of my attic, screaming at God over how angry I was and having God meet me with his love and kindness. In the midst of grappling with deep dissolution, with a broken relationship, God meeting me with patience and steadfast love, wisdom and understanding. Even just yesterday, <laughs> sitting in my living room, you know, and doing further work to face these losses of this current season, once again, God meeting me with his faithful presence and just saying, I'm with you. I love you. I'm in this. Friends, that's what we can expect when we travel this road, we step onto that bridge and we begin to voice to God the real stuff of our hearts. We're met with his tender mercies, his love and compassion. That's what we can expect from God. Now, even as I share some of those stories, if you've had similar experiences before, you know what I'm talking about. And those past experiences from before in your life can help you to take the courage to face the latest things, the latest loss, the latest disappointment. You can go back to that backlog of past experiences and say, God is faithful. Even if I don't understand what's going on right now, I've seen God be faithful and true. I've seen God's loving kindness meet me over and over again. And that can give me the hope that I need to dare again today. For some others of you, maybe this might be brand new territory. Maybe you've never thought about talking to God like that. Or maybe like you don't know for sure what you would receive if you did that. Take heart. If you start this journey on this bridge of lament, you really will be met with God's unfailing love on the other side. I mean, isn't that what we need most? More than specific answers to our questions, more than understanding every detail behind our losses. You know, what impacts us the most is when the weight of God's glorious love surpasses the weight of our pain. When we put that on the scale and we know the heaviness, the, 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 the difficulty, the challenges that we face, and all of a sudden we are met with something that weighs more and it just outweighs it. It doesn't answer every single thing in specifics, but it answers the deepest pieces of us. I don't know how quite to put that into words fully, but I've just found that to be true over and over again.
Earlier in the message, I mentioned that we can sometimes latch on to trite sayings that sound like they'd be helpful, um, but they really aren't. Um, Here's one of those. Maybe you've heard this before. Um, Time heals all wounds. Heard that one before? Maybe somebody said that to you in a time of loss or difficulty. Do you just want to just punch them? Here's what I've found. Um, Time can help, but love is what heals our hearts. Time can help. Like we can get a little bit of distance from the tragedy or the, the specific nature of a loss, but love is what heals us. Love is what we need. You know, if there are losses to lament, it is the loving presence of God in others that will make the most difference in walking towards healing. Nothing else works the same. And the good news is that the unfailing Hesed love is exactly what God promises to give us as we turn to him in lament. Here's another thing that might help. Um, I'm going to turn a phrase that might help put this into practice. Uh, two little phrases. Never forget, always remember. <laughs> Never forget, always remember. This comes straight from what Jeremiah writes in Lamentations 3 where he says, I'll never forget this awful time, but I dare to hope when I remember. The journey of lament includes both of these elements. We don't deny the things, the hard things that we've experienced. In fact, it's as we courageously face them as directly as we can, that's where we begin to get traction. But there's also another step. We remember the promises of God's unfailing love, that this love really can weigh more than the loss that we have experienced. And so we never forget, but we always remember. So many ways that we can practice this. I have friends that keep detailed journals, and so one of the things that they'll often do is go back to those prayers or those reflections and recall the ways that God has been faithful to them through the years. Others of you are deeply encouraged through worship music. I'm so excited about Christmas being here next weekend. It's one of the ways that, you know, that our songs give voice to the things of our hearts in ways that sometimes we don't get access to otherwise. And so you might even have like a playlist of songs about God's compassion and his love, that that can be a way for you to practice remembering. Uh, for me, one of the ways that I find uh, most helpful is this, this uh, uh, deep reassurance and reflecting on scriptures that speak of God's great love. You know, Lamentations 3 is one of those go-to ones for me over and over in my life. Another one is Romans chapter 8. Listen to Romans 8, 35. Apostle Paul says, Does it mean that God no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. Let's just stop there for a moment. Is there a reason why he wrote this? It's because we actually have those questions, right? (laughs) It's like when we face danger, when we face destitution, when we face trouble, when we face persecution, the natural question is like, God, where are you, and do you actually love me? It's natural to ask those things. But listen to what Paul says as he continues on in verses 38 and 39. He says, no, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for tomorrow or nor our worries, fears for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. 
The power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. You know, friends, whatever avenue works best for you, let me encourage you. Find regular ways to soak in God's love. Let it sink in deep and let that shape how you live. That's where we want to finish up today. The final few verses of today's passage point us towards some different ways that we can live in God's love. Look again at verses 24 to 26. Jeremiah writes, he says, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. And so it's good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Here's what I found. In the Ark of Lament, we remind ourselves what is most true. This is maybe another way to describe this process of remembering. You know, even in verse 24, Jeremiah says, I say to myself, he's like, he's, he's speaking to his own soul. He's like, I gotta remind myself what is actually most true. <laughs> he says, even in the midst of this destruction, even in the midst of this devastation, what's most true is that God is my inheritance. The Lord is my portion. I think like John talked about last week, even if, uh, you know, we see this in the story of Job, even if we lose everything else, if we get God, somehow that will be enough in the end. Again, that doesn't mean that everything is, every single detail is okay. There's often still deep pain, aching questions. But the heart of lament is this sense, nevertheless, that the unbreakable love of God is moving forward and that we can come to him day by day to rest and to trust in him. I love how the passage ends here in talking about how experiencing God's love and lament moves us towards action. I took these final two verses, and one of the things I love to do often with, with, with Scripture is to take uh, wisdom that's there and then just to turn it into prayers. And so here's three prayers that I want to invite you to pray. You can enter into this in different pieces of your life. We can turn these final two verses into prayers like this. God, because of your unfailing love, I can depend on you. Jeremiah expresses this deep dependence. It's like turning from all the other options, all the other things that we could look to for security. And he says, God, you're it. I'm going to depend on you. So whether that's our distracting habits, our addictions, our, 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 our scope for success, or whatever the case is, our relationships, God is most what we need. God is what we can depend on. Another prayer, God, because of your unfailing love, I can continue to seek you. One of the uh, scriptures I come back to a lot um, when I hit things that I just don't understand <laughs> is um, a passage in the Gospels where uh, Jesus has just gotten done talking to the disciples and this big crowd, 
And he's saying, uh, you know, unless you eat my flesh, you drink my blood, you know, you, you can't be my disciple. Like, what the heck does that mean? All these people, like, they, they're, uh, they're going sideways. And he says to the disciples, are you guys going to leave too? <laughs> and one of the guys says, Jesus, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. The practices of lament, this is what we do. We say, There's a lot I don't understand. It's a lot I don't get, but where else am I going to go? I'm going to continue to seek you, God. I'm going to continue to knock on the door of heaven. I'm going to continue to bring the real stuff of my life and just wait it out with you. That's the last prayer here. God, because of your unfailing love, I can patiently wait on you. And I don't know what the practicalities are for you right now in your life, but I would imagine that there's some things that these simple prayers could be something that you could apply these prayers to. God, I I can depend on you because you love me. God, I can continue to seek you because of your unfailing love. Because you love me, God, I can hang in there. I can wait on you. God promises to meet us in this journey, friends. He promises to meet us with unexpected kindness, supernatural love. It would take this bold step to be able to turn to him, even in our practice, like lament. You know, maybe you've just even seen in, in me talking today, um, just grasping for words. It's like, as I was preparing for this week, it's like, oh God, like, how do I unex- explain the unexplainable? <laughs> like, you know, even like with the word hesed, like we can't even put like the, the final point on it. Like, it's just so big. But in, you know, nearly four decades now of following Jesus, I have found this to be true over and over and over again. Like, you know, what we're talking about today, like this is in many ways like a life message for me. That the faithful love of the Lord, it really does never end. His mercies, they really don't ever cease. His faithfulness is enduring. And his mercies, they begin fresh every single morning. That's what we can count on. I want to find a little story before we transition to ministry time. Um, these past couple of weeks have been uh, remembering a, a song that's been really meaningful for me over the last couple decades. Um, one of my favorite uh, Christian musicians is a guy named Andrew Peterson, and uh, he wrote this uh, song uh, about 20 years ago now um, called After the Last Tear Falls. And uh, uh, through the arc of the song, he just talks about really all these different hard things. And then the contrast of that <laughs> says, after the last tear falls, there's love. <laughs> there's love, love, love. As he spins into the chorus, there's this line. And in the end, here's the end. The end is oceans and oceans of love and love again. Friends, that's what we can expect from God. That's my heart, my hope, my prayer for every one of us today. Why don't you go ahead and stand up. I'd love to pray for us.
You know, again, today we're asking this question. If we, we cross this bridge, we begin to cross the bridge of lament, what can we expect? What are we going to find on the other side? One of the treasures we're going to find is God's unfailing love meeting us right in the middle of that. And so I think as we, we go to God in prayer and we pray for one another here in a moment, I think the response really is actually pretty simple. Whatever is in us, <laughs> whatever it looks like for us to begin that journey, we can really trust that God will meet us with that never-ending love. So Holy Spirit, would you just come right now Just reassure us with your presence, God. God, remind us of the things that are most true. God, um, just even track back in our lives and our experiences for so many of us where we've experienced and seen your faithful hand leading us and meeting us, God. Yeah, just can come even more right now, God. So I was praying this morning. An image um, came back to me that I shared, I think, in a, another recent message. It was just um, this image of posturing ourselves, positioning ourselves underneath this endless shower of God's unfailing love. A shower that just does not quit. <laughs> It like soaks us to the bone. Friends, that's what we need in our lives. Whatever we might have come in with this morning, whatever's on our hearts, whatever on our minds, we can bring that honestly, boldly, directly to God. And he meets us with that shower of his love. God, I pray for us to uh, experience just a, an infusion of courage where we need it. God, would you uh, put in us a deposit of daring hope, God, where we need it. And just this word comes to my mind, just like try again, go again. <laughs> Even as it's hard, as it's hurting, come again. God will be faithful. He'll meet you. In front of our ministry team, why don't you begin to make your way up? Um, we're going to transition into the portion of our, uh, our service where uh, we can go back into some worship, where we have a chance to respond to God in a, a number of different ways. And, and including that is uh, opportunity to receive prayer. And things I love about how we do prayer here at the Vineyard is that uh, none of us up here are experts. Uh, we don't have it all figured out. <laughs> but we're just willing to go to Jesus for ourselves and also willing to just accompany others as we just try and get in front of Jesus honestly. And so, again, not super fancy today in a ministry call. Whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, you just say, I just gotta bring this to Jesus. These folks would love to be able to join with you, help you to position yourself underneath that shower of God's unending love. And just let that do its work in you. Uh, the band's going to lead us to some more worship as well, so you can use that as another opportunity to just soak in God's presence and his love. Let that do its work. Whatever the case is, lean in. Let God do his thing. 
let's trust him that he really is good and faithful. Amen. Thanks so much for being here in the vineyard. Let's worship. Let's pray for one another. Thank you.